Welcome to a fantastic word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, an associate pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Guys, let's go ahead. We're going to be in ch- uh, chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. And as Pastor Ron said, we're continuing our series uh, here uh, called The Lessons from 1 Thessalonians. And I'll get to the title in just a bit. We're going to wait just a bit before we get there. And, um, but first, as always, we're going to do just a little bit of quick review for those who may not have been here last week or who may be missing out. I'll make it quick. But um, uh, the, the book of 1 Thessalonians is written to a church and a city called, y'all remember the name of the city? Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Thessalonica, that's right. Thessalonica. And so um, it's located in modern-day Greece, and it was a very important city in its day. And uh, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, um, we find the account of the Apostle Paul in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 16 through 18, primarily in chapter 17, and and you can read that. But it's a very simple account. Paul, he arrives around um, AD 51, and while he is there, he is um, there ministering as he did often in the the uh, the synagogues, and he the Bible says that he was reasoning with the Jews there. He's talking with them, and eventually it led to them, you know, some of them being saved, along with some of the Gentiles, meaning some people who were not Jews. They got saved. He plants a church. They get discipled. He's teaching them, encouraging them, and man, they get on fire for Jesus. And that caused some issues with some of the Jewish teachers of the law. They didn't like it, and so they begin to cause some trouble. And the Bible says that there is some persecution happening, um, tough enough and hard enough that really calls Paul and his team, Silas, Timothy, along with Luke, who is the writer of Acts, they eventually had to leave. And once they left, they were concerned for the physical and spiritual um, uh, well-being of the church there. So he sends Timothy back to encourage and exhort them. And while they're there, he also gets a report he comes back, he meets Paul in Corinth, and there he gives, them a, he gives them his report that they are doing wonderful and continue to stand strong under faith, which is what, I'm sorry, under persecution, which is where we find, which is what we hear in chapter 1. Paul, he is, he is commending the Christians there. Listen, you guys, I mean, he was impressed that, you know, these were a young group of Christians. He was, only, he was only allowed to be there for about two to three years. I'm sorry, two to three months, excuse me. He's usually in a place for about a year and a half or so, spending time with that church. He was only able to be there for two or three months. By the time he's writing them, they'd only been saved for, le- I mean, you know, for less than a year. And yet they were standing strong in their faith, under persecution. They were sharing their faith. People were getting saved. I mean, they were doing amazing. And um, so much so that the, church, that the Christians around their city were encouraged and just by their faith. And they had set a strong example, reminding us that we are always setting an example for somebody else. Amen. And then in chapter 2, uh, Paul, he is setting the record straight. There was some there was, some, um, there was some accusations that were made on behalf of Paul. They were attacking his ministry. And these were the same people who were causing trouble for the church there. And um, they, they were accusing him of not only being a fake but also a failure. And Paul, 
he wasn't concerned about it because he knew this. He he knew what you know what really happened, and he used his experience. He used the time that he's there, the relationship that he had with the Christians there, and reminded them what really happened. And even though the his enemies who were accusing him. Although they accused him of doing um, many different things that he didn't, he knew that those things were not going to hold weight with God. And it's the same with us. Whenever we feel like we're failing in life, let me tell you that it's most likely the opposite. And, and the accusation that the devil makes on your behalf holds no weight with God. Amen. We stand strong knowing that we, that whenever, that when we do our best, God, he does his part. And most likely he's going to, I'm sorry, not most likely, it is the fact that he is taking what we use and what we do and he's turning them into good at all times. Amen? That's the truth. And then in chapter 3, Paul, he is um, updating and he is filling in what happened after he left and, and, remind, and letting them know what happened and, and, and how they sent Timothy back to Thessalonica. And then at the end of of chapter 3, there he shares with them a prayer that he has for the Thessalonians. And this is a a, a heartfelt prayer and his desire. This is a prayer that he continued to pray for them. And the prayer was that they would increase and abound in love and also that they would be blameless in holiness. His desire was that, and God's desire for and God's desire for us as well, is that we would increase Jesus in our life. And increasing Jesus in our life means more love will abound. It's just going to happen because God is love. And when the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, when, we, when, when he is moving and he is growing on the inside of us, he is going to produce love along with many other things. And also, it's going to draw us closer to Jesus. It's going to produce holiness in our life. If we don't get in the way. Right, Pastor Ron? We just got to stay out of the way. We got to trust God and trust the process and allow him to do the rest. Amen? And that brings us to chapter 4. And here in chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 13 through 18. But just real quick, um, in the the first, you know, in the beginning of chapter 4, Paul, he is reminding them of some instructions that he gave them. You know, chapter 4 begins the second half of 1 Thessalonians. You know, it can be broken up into two halves. Chapters 1 through 3 are more personal. Just like, you know, you know, as we read before, as we've gone through, it's a lot more personal and historical. And while he is addressing matters, it's more about his time there. But here in chapter 4, it gets a little more practical. And he's addressing some of the matters that were brought up in Timothy's report. And so, he's, and so here, beginning off, he starts off by reminding them about some of the instructions that he left with them concerning how they live and how we can please God with our life. And, um, you, know, you know, being a Roman colony, Thessalonica, you know, uh, while it had many things, you know, to be amazed about, its culture and its cultural norms were of things that were very, um, very twisted. Uh, it's specifically when it came to things of sexual immorality. And this is one of the things that he's addressing. And the, the overall point that he's trying to make to the Thessalonians is that, is that the cultural norms of the society of the day there in Thessalonica are not the standard for what is right and wrong. And we cannot, he was encouraging them not to allow the norms of that day and the things of the society to control what they 
allow in their life every day. Because the things that were normal and that were accepted of that day are not the things that are accepted in the kingdom of God. And, And he reminded them that they had been redeemed. And, you know, we imagine that things are bad now, but it was bad then, too. I mean, it was pretty crazy. And, um, you know, and, and, it's, and it's the same message to us today, that we have to remember that the cultural norms of today do not control what is right or wrong for our life. It's not the standard. You know, YouTube cannot, cannot control the standard in my home for what is right and wrong. You know, social media cannot be the thing that, that, is, that, is, that is transforming and, and, and creating patterns in our life, in our mind. You know, uh, what we watch on TV, the things that people talk about, we can go on and on and on, but we have to be careful that we're not allowing those things to raise our children or to control what we are going to think about and what we choose is right and wrong. Because what we, whatever we choose to decide, when, you know, the choices that we make, we're saying that that's right, that that's okay. And we have to watch, and, and this is what Paul was saying, be careful and watch that we are not allowing ourselves to be conformed to the norms, the things that are happening of today. Amen? And so, uh, and then he continues on, and he talks about love, and I encourage you to uh, take some time to read that, but that eventually gets us to um, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And again, Paul, he is addressing some matters that were brought up in Timothy's report. And clearly, you know, Timothy felt like this needed to be addressed. And so we're going to go ahead and read it. And um, in fact, uh, let me go ahead and share our title for this morning. The title of our message today is Be Encouraged, Jesus is Coming. Be encouraged because Jesus is coming. Let's go ahead and read uh, verses 13 through 18. It's about six verses. They are, you know, it's, you know, it's a little lengthy, but I feel it's necessary for us to share it. So let's go ahead and read it today. Uh, verse 13, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as those who have no hope. We'll come back to that in a bit. Verse 14 For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpets of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to, be, to, meet, with the, to meet the Lord Excuse me, in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18, he says, Um, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, he, he, he is encouraging them, letting them know that Jesus is coming back. That's, that's what his message was. But there's a reason why he's sharing this. And it's, it's, it's in verse 13 and verse 14. It says that, he says that we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. In Timothy's report, it was, it was clear, we see that there were 
that there were some Christians in the church who were grieving because some of loved ones or friends, members of their church had passed away. And they were concerned and they were, the Bible says that they were grieving as those who had no hope. You know, they were taking it really hard. It was difficult for them because they imagined that because they had died, that they were going to miss out on the rapture. That's what they believed. So what we know here is that these Christians, they had a base knowledge knowing that Jesus was coming back. They knew it. He was coming back, and they were anticipating it. They were looking forward to it. You know, it encourages me even more to be, to be holding on to the truth that Jesus is coming back. I mean, this was, this was, you know, this was a long time ago. That these guys, you know, you know, it, you know close to 2,000 years ago, that these guys were holding on to that truth. But although they were holding on to it, there was something that they were missing. They imagined and they knew that Jesus was coming back. And they were coming back for them in their lifetime. That's what they imagined. That's what, that's what they were taught. Clearly, Paul had taught this while he was there in Thessalonica. But... There was something that they were missing. They were grieving without hope. It was hard. They were taking it very difficult because they were believing something that just wasn't true. Paul said that they were uninformed. In fact, chapter 3, if you remember, in that two-part prayer, you know, uh, we talked about how he shared that prayer. It was both personal and prophetic. And that first prayer that he shares with them is that he says that my prayer is that God will open up a door and make a way that we can go back to you. And he says, so that we may fill the gaps in your faith. He knew that they had some gaps in their faith, and no doubt one of the things he was talking about was this right here. He knew that there was something that they were missing. They were believing something that wasn't true. And because of that, Paul, he wanted to help them to realize that there, that, that, that there was a truth that they had missed. They were uninformed. And, you know, there are you know, it, 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 what's, what's interesting to me is that these were Christians, although they were young in the faith, they were strong believers, right? I mean, they were standing on the word. They were faithful. They were fruitful. They trusted in Jesus. You know, they obeyed and trusted the word that had been left to them, and they had done everything that they were supposed to up, the, uh, up until this point. But they were missing something. You know, it, this right here, it, it, it made me think that, you know, we can be serving Jesus for our entire life, but there can be a gap in our faith. There can be something that we are believing that's not true, that's producing fear in our life, that's producing a little, you know, producing um, uh, not just fear, but anxieties and and, you know, causing us to go through more trouble than we should. You know, I remember that that was me. I, I remember for so long, you know, I think it's silly now today, but I remember, I remember every, you know, I felt like I had to be perfect as a believer because when I failed, once I fell short, I felt like God was mad at me. You know, I felt like God was disappointed in me. 
And in doing so, it drove me away from God. It, it made me get down on myself, and I would, I would, you know, I would just feel like I was just, you know, I was just the worst because I made a mistake. Well, I was believing a lie. I was believing something that wasn't true, and it produced in me a reality that, that, I, that I lived, that I was putting myself in a prison that God never created. But once I realized the truth, I, I, I realized that I was believing a lie, and I, and, I, and I stepped back, and I was able to find the Word of God in, in, um, pertaining to that, and I applied it to my life, and I began to apply it. I began to recite it. I wrote it on my, on my mirror, um, you, know, uh, you know, with the expo marker, and I would remind myself, speak it over myself, until I came to the point where I knew that I am a child of God. And that if I do mess up, listen, that's the reason why I needed Jesus. Until Jesus comes back, I'm going to continue to need Jesus. And, and, and as 1 John says, do not sin. But if you do, he is, we have an advocate, who, and he is faithful and just to forgive us. That is the truth. I had a gap, though. I had a gap. And I had to, and, 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 and I had to realize that. And once I realized it, I was able to take a step back and then apply the Word of God. You know, sometimes we may want to look on the inside, you know, take a look. You know, if there's something that we're continually struggling with, if there's a continual fear, a continual anxiety, maybe we find ourselves in a depression, maybe we find ourselves in an area where we continue to stumble over, maybe we can take a step back and find and think, am I believing something that's not true? You know, the Thessalonians, they, 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 were, they were standing on a truth, but it was only half of the truth. It was only part of the truth. In doing so, they made an assumption. They assumed that because they had died, that they weren't going to be in the rapture. But that was wrong. It wasn't true. And sometimes we can make assumptions. And, uh, you know, Assumptions, as we know, can get us in trouble, especially in our marriage, right? You know, it, you know, it, it can, you know, it can cause some issues. Assumptions cause issues, period. And, you know, I've decided that, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best to not make assumptions anymore. You know, if I find, you know, if we find ourselves saying things like, I guess, I think, maybe, you know, we may be making an assumption, and instead of making an assumption, we can take a step back and we can go to the source. Go to the source. You know, it would make our working relationships a lot better. It'll make our family relationships a lot better. It'll make our marriage relationship a lot better. It'll just make things better when we can make things clear. And it, and it, make, and it, gives, and it keeps us from giving the devil a foothold in our relationships, Right? And so, uh, because at the end of the day, the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. The truth is in the source. You know, if, if it's a marriage relationship, you know, go to the source. If it's a work relationship, go back to the source. If it has to do with our life and our faith, let's go back to the source, which is the Word of God. We can go back to the Word and apply the truth for our life, and it will make a difference. Because at the end of the day, nothing tells the truth like the truth. Amen? Amen. 
And this is exactly what Paul did. Paul, he went to the source and he let them know what the truth was. He let them know that they didn't have to grieve as those without hope. Because there, is a, there, there are times in life, there are ups and downs and points in life where we grieve. When we lose someone and, and, and we go through those moments, we go through those ups and downs. And it's a part of life. It's natural part of life. But they were grieving as those who had no hope. It was different. And Paul wanted to let them know, you don't have to do that. And he let them know the truth, that the truth is that Jesus, he is coming back. He's coming back for the living and he's coming back for the dead. And he says that when he comes, he's going to be coming in the clouds. And when he comes, he's going to be coming with a cry of command. You know, Paul, I think he was familiar with that cry of command. Because that same, that, that same command is what knocked him off his high horse on his way on the road to Damascus. The Bible says that, that, that the people with him, the guards that were with him, they heard a noise. But they didn't know what it was. But Paul knew exactly who it was. It was the Lord. And you know, whenever Jesus comes back, I, I believe that people are going to hear a noise. But those of us who know Jesus, those of us whose faith are in Christ, we're going to hear his voice with a cry of command. And the Bible says that not only will it be a cry of command, but with the voice of an archangel. I don't think he's talking about just a specific archangel. I, it, it, it sounds to me that he's, being a, that, that, that he's speaking plurally, that Jesus, he's going to be coming with the host. And then it says that there's going to be a sound of the trumpet of God. And a trumpet was sounded in the Old Testament on their way to battle. And it was always to signal victory. And Jesus, when he comes back, he's coming in victory. He's coming to redeem his people in victory. And the Bible says, again, Paul says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Man, that right there is encouraging. You know, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for Coach Rodney Gibson. Let me tell you about Coach Rodney Gibson. This, this was a man who changed my life. He invested into me. He opened up his home. He opened up his family. He allowed me to live with him for a year and a half. He invested into me. He taught me how to be a young man. He taught me how to serve Jesus. And he helped me to get into Bible college. And he pointed me on the right direction. You know, Coach Rodney Gibson died, you know, because of cancer. But this right here is a promise that one day I'm going to see him, that he is going to spend eternity with Jesus. That is a reality. I look forward to that. You know, come on. We will get to see those who we have lost. We will. Raymond Presley. Glory, we'll get to see him in glory. Tony Wilson, we'll get to see him in glory. Those of us that, those, that, those who have lost whose faith were in Jesus, this is our promise that the dead in Christ will rise first. Amen? And then the living in Christ will be caught up. You know, the, the dead, they're going to get to see Jesus first. I mean, it may be a second before us or a half a second. I don't know how long it's going to go, but... You know, they're going to get to see him first. And the Bible says that we are going to get caught up. You know, I imagine, you know, we're, you know, we're going to be walking. All of a sudden, we're going to have a 40-inch vertical, be leaping into the air, you know. 
You know, hopefully I'm playing basketball, catch a lob, you know, and go ahead and drop it in while I'm, you know, while, you know, you know, while I'm on my way up to heaven. But the Bible says that we were going to get caught up with them in the clouds, and we will all be with the Lord forever. That is the truth. And when we are brought up with him, we will be made like him. We will be made like him. I, don't, I, I can't even fathom what it's going to be like to have a life without sin, without temptation, no sighing, no worries, no crying, no dying. That is the reality, and that is what we're headed for when Jesus comes back. This is what he left with the Thessalonians and is what he's leaving with us today, that Jesus is coming back. And it's something that we should hold on to. Paul ends in verse 18 with these words. He says, encourage one another with these words. You know, I believe that the, that the coming of the Lord, Jesus coming back, that he wanted this to be an encouragement to them for, for two reasons. I'm sure there's many others, but I believe what I see is for two reasons. One is because it was an antidote for those who were grieving. For those who were grieving without hope, it was, a, it was an antidote to let them know that things are going to be okay. They are going to spend eternity with Jesus. That encouraged them, and it encourages us today. But the other is that he wanted them to know and he wants us to know that whatever we may be going through, whatever you may be going through, whatever you are, what's happening in your life, while you may have to endure and per persevere a little longer, our prayer is that, and our belief is that things are going to get better. You know, we pray that it happens on this side of heaven. We pray that God will make things right while we're here. But guys, if he doesn't, while we may have to endure a little longer, let me tell you, it will be made right when Jesus comes back. Amen. That is our promise. It will get better. He's going to make it right. Man, that's encouraging to know we have a whole nother life. You know, I look forward to when we get to go to vacations or when I get to go on mission trips. I look forward to those things. But you know, I think I need to look more, you know, I need to look forward some more to the fact that Jesus is going to come soon. That is a reality. And it's also a good reminder for us, for those of us who have loved ones who don't know Jesus. Because while it's a hope for us, it can be a hope for them as well. Jesus, when speaking to his disciples, Matthew chapter 4, verse 36 through 37, he says this, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, which I find interesting that not even Jesus knows. But he says, but the Father only. He knows. And for as, the day, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. No one knew in the time of Noah when, whenever that flood was coming. In the, same, in the same way, we don't know when Jesus is coming. So we should be ready. Not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones. Let's encourage people that Jesus is coming back. Let's encourage ourselves that Jesus is coming back. Amen? A few takeaways. Number one, there is hope in Christ. There is hope that we have in Christ. You know, the Thessalonians, they learned and realized that there was hope. 
There was hope for them and there was hope for their loved one. You know, no matter what you're going through, because you are in Christ, you have hope. Things will get better. And there is hope for those who don't know Jesus. While they're still here, while Jesus has not come yet, there is still hope. They can know Jesus. Let that be our motivating factor. I love the fact that we get to share the gospel around the world. I love that our church does that. I love that we, that we make sure that we are building the kingdom of God, and that's what we do. You know, we are making sure that the gospel is going forth, that people hear that they can be saved. We have hope in Christ. Number two, second takeaway, is that assumptions are not meant for consumption. Assumptions are not meant for consumption. Assuming is never, never, uh, it's never the solution. Whenever we assume, most likely it's we are looking in ourselves for the truth. But the fact is that the truth is not in us. The truth is in the source. Let's, 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 let's decide that we're not going to assume, that we're not going to assume in relationships, that we're not going to assume, you know, how people feel about us, what people think about us, that we're not going to assume that we know what is needed in a moment. You know, if we know, the, if we know what's needed, great. But if we don't, let's go back to the source, especially concerning our faith. Let's take a look at our life and let's be sure that if there's any gaps in our life, if there's anything that we are believing that's causing us to trip us up, let's take a step back, let's, you know, let's identify it, find the answer in the Word of God, go to the source, and begin to apply that truth. And for me, it took me some time. It took me a while. You know, uh, you know, I had, you know, and, and I mean, as you know, you've done the same thing. As we continue, you know, let's, let's apply the Word of God where we need it to make sure that we are believing the truth. Amen? Amen. And then thirdly, encourage others that Jesus is coming back. Let's encourage people. I decided that I'm going to do that as well, that I'm going to do my best to encourage people that Jesus is coming back, especially if they don't know Jesus, you know? I mean, that'll really concern them, you know? (laughs) I mean, people will start thinking, man, maybe I do need to, you know, get right with Jesus. But he is. And that's a promise for us, man. That's exciting. That is encouraging. And it was meant to be encouraging. And it is for, to, and it's for us today to be encouraging, to know that Jesus is coming. And so let us be ready. You know, let us find ourselves doing our best to be faithful when he comes. And when he does, things will be made right. Whatever you're going through, it's going to get better, guys. Right? It's going to get better. And even if we got to endure a little longer, man, boy, man, that 40-inch vertical is going to be nice. That, you know, you know that 200-foot vertical, let's put it that way, you know, you know whatever it's going to look like, when Jesus comes back, he is going to make it right. Let's look forward to Jesus coming back. Let us hold on to it and be encouraged. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. God, we look forward to the day that you are returning. And Lord, I pray, God, that we, God, would place our hope in that reality.
God, I pray, Lord, that while we are here, as God, I pray that you would help us to identify areas of our life, God, that we may be believing, God, that may not be true. And Lord, help us, God, to apply the truth for our life. Lord God, I pray that we would stand on that truth, Father, and God, that we would walk it out, Father. God, that we wouldn't assume, but Lord God, that we would go to the source, which is the Word of God. Lord, help us to do that, Father. And Lord God, I pray, God, that you would encourage us, Lord. Help us to endure, God, while we are here on this earth, God. Help us to be faithful, God. Help us, God, to share the truth, God, with others. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, Father, I pray, God, that you would bring our loved ones, Lord, to Jesus, Father. We just thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory. And if you believe that today, say amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.